this episode of The Interface, I speak with Kyle Brown, the new business unit director for Amphenol Aerospace in Sydney, New York. Kyle has been with Amphenol for 12 years. We talk about his new role, which adds engineering to his team that also includes product marketing and customer service. We talk about developing more front-end systems to better engage with customers in the military and aerospace markets. We talk about growing up in nearby Windsor, New York, and why his hometown, where he still lives, is comforting for him. We talk about his time at Ryder University and his love of New York-style pizza. And we discuss his Desert Island album, book, and movie, and his idea for golfing while he's there. This is The Interface. This is the first time I've ever had like an interview like this, so I'm sure that I won't do it right the first time. Really? Yeah. It's the first time? Yeah. Well, I'll be gentle. Yeah. You'd be as tough as <laughs> difficult as you want. No. <laughs> Put come me on, on the hot no. seat. I'm not going to do that, but it's nice to finally... It's been a long time since I've had someone semi-face-to-face here, albeit we're wearing masks, just in case anyone wonders. We are wearing masks, but um, it's nice to be able to talk to someone face-to-face. Don't get me wrong. Zoom has been a godsend and all that to do a lot of these podcasts, but it's so much better when you when you can sit face-to-face uh, and not feel like you're cutting someone's call off and all that sort of stuff. Right. So, so first of all, thank you for doing this today. I Thanks for having that. me. Yes, of course. I mean, you're down the hall, so... This is probably far too long that w- that we that uh, we waited to do this, but better late than never. First of all, Kyle, again, thanks for doing this. Congratulations on your new role. Thank and you. You are Thank business you very unit much. director, sure, business unit director now for Amphenol Aerospace. So, can you talk a little bit about what that entails and what your new role is? Sure. So, you know, really, the difference between my previous role as director of marketing and distribution here really just adds engineering responsibility. So historically, I've had product management responsibility, uh, distribution, the customer service team, contracts, pricing, right? The front end of what we call the business here. Uh, and recently, we added the engineering responsibility to that uh, to that under this business unit director. So I've, I've still got kind of the front end responsibility, less the, you know, the sales organization, but uh, now I've got the pleasure of helping bring the product and engineering organization together and and lead us into 2022 and, and beyond ultimately. And I know you just started this about a month ago or so, but having the engineering portion now be part of, of your, you know, part of your team as well. What do you hope that that adds to uh, your job as you try to promote our products and technologies moving forward here at Amphenol Aerospace? Yeah, I think the, the most exciting part of it would probably be the ability to pull you know, the resources together and align the strategy. So in many cases, you know, we're, we work very closely together, right? The design team, the product teams, um, but we don't always do it in concert with one another, right? We have product people who are kind of running their own thing with sales or the customer. Mm-hmm. And then we have engineering teams who are working kind of the back end. They don't really get to experience that engagement with the customer or really the design on the front end. So what, what changes here in, in the opportunity is to to bring those people together, to, to coordinate and collaborate a little bit more, uh, and really give engineers the, the experience and the opportunity to get in front of customers and salespeople, and then force the product people to get involved in a little bit more of the technical aspect of it. So I'm most excited about that. And I think the, you know, the, the timing is perfect with, with everything becoming more virtual, uh, a lot of the you know, engineering uh, interaction becoming virtual. So we can leverage the people, the tools, and all of that, which makes it pretty exciting. This also coincides with 
just the change in the organization. It opened up some opportunities where you and Jared Sabrava on the high speed side are able to oversee a lot more of the total front end of the business. How much do you interact with him to make sure you're covering everything Amphenol Aerospace as you move forward? Yeah, I mean, we, we work very closely. I mean, I love Jared. Yeah. He's a, a great guy and, and definitely an expert in his field. Uh, we come from two different ends of the spectrum, right? He calls yeah. me a generalist and he calls himself an expert, uh, which is true Fair. in, in the Fair. most part, right? Yeah. Um, but really, you know, there, there's definite alignment between both of us and the teams that work together, especially in front of uh, the salespeople and, and, you know, the customers ultimately. But, you know, outside of that, the, a lot of the resources, so the customer service team, a lot of the pricing folks, right, they're, they work for everyone. Distribution, mm-hmm. that represents both Jared's business unit and the AO business unit that I'm, you know, responsible for now. Right. So, I mean, we, we talk probably once an hour, right? We're always yeah. in each other's offices. If he's got a problem with, you know, customer service or an issue getting a, a quote out or something, he is in my office yelling. So we work very closely and we have done a great job starting to, uh, you know, align a lot of the the tools and the services aspect of it that, you know, we, we haven't really been able to work together on before. Mm-hmm. We're starting to pull each other in to make sure that we're working on things because, you know, it's remarkable. His technology, his type of product, half of his if not more than that, right? Half of his leads come from the web, come mm-hmm. from people just clicking on his links. They need an Ethernet switch, and then they call call him directly, right? So right. traditional AO, probably not as much of that. It's more, you know, pound the pavement, get out in front of customers, fight for take share. Mm-hmm. In this instance, I think we, we've we learned a little bit from him and, and his success, you know, getting leads and, and getting people from the web and, and some of our tools. Right, and, and you talked about that a little bit earlier too, and that having engineering under your umbrella now gives you more of an opportunity to uh, shift the focus of the business a little bit to more of those tools that as the younger engineering core comes up here that do a lot of their business online and don't interact in maybe some of the old school traditional ways that it places added emphasis to make sure that that you have the right tools and systems in place that People can find your products and technologies and information about those things, no matter where they are, if they're on their phone, if they're on their iPad, they're on their desktop, whatever it may be. And I know that's something that's a big focus for you. Yeah. I mean, we want to, we want to have that relationship with, with the the gray beard or or those people still, we need to maintain that it's critically important to, to our business. Right. But uh, I would also say that that millennial, which I I am a millennial, right? right? But the person who wants to sit on their laptop, not talk to a person, right? Communicate by text message. We want to be able to receive information and receive, right? uh, Requests from them in the fashion that they want to send them. So I think, you know, getting more virtual uh, and making the experience for them more what they're looking for, I think it will go a long way. And we've seen, we've seen that in many instances, you know, simply just tools online and following up on something they're more susceptible or welcoming to, hey, we saw you did this. Can I help you with it? Rather than just the cold call that, you know, they don't, we don't know why we're calling them and, and they're not really that receptive. So it's, it's definitely interesting. It's a change. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And look, I'll raise my hand as being a part of this with not only here in Sydney, but other business units and groups and even corporate. Now, we probably haven't been on the cutting edge of a lot of this <laughs> no, <laughs> online technologies yeah. and tools over there. Let's be perfectly fair. But we certainly realize the that we can't ignore it forever, and we have to make sure that we are are capturing that mind share and increasing that engagement 
in in an area that is definitely going to increase over the next few years for sure. And and having so having the engineering portion of it then I think fits in and dovetails nicely with this. You pointed out you've been considered a generalist, right? Sure. Sure. <laughs> so you're not a technical guy. You not don't come I'm not from an engineer background. No. No. How easy or difficult is it for you to pick some of this stuff up, especially as you've progressed throughout your career here? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's been in the in the twelve years I've I've been with the company. Right, I started out in a in an analyst role, which is kind of a generalist position, right? Mm -hmm. Crunching some numbers and looking at stuff. But you know what? I, what I think is remarkable about Amphenol and especially at AAO, right? When when you take on a product role or or any role in the company, right, you're forced to become technical. So yeah. as much as you might be a generalist by by trade or definition, right, you quickly become a technical person in this company and. And I would say that as long as you show the willingness to learn, then anyone's going to help you. They're going to support you. So, you know, to answer the question, I think I've I've managed to learn enough. Uh, I managed to be very receptive, and yeah. and luckily had a lot of mentors, you know, both technical and not, that have have been able to teach me and and you know brought me along. And you know, I think even even today in my current capacity, right, the the challenges get different. You know, things as as simple as just you know solving a technical problem that you know requires opening a print and looking at some stuff, which you know most people can do after a, a couple of years here. Mm -hmm. Right now, it's more so listening to those experts, uh, collecting information, and helping make a decision. Right, and I think that's that's what I find exciting about this part of the role. And and I'll still learn, right, and, and learn and make perhaps make mistakes for sure. But, you know, I think everyone has been supportive and will continue to be supportive, which is great. Oh, absolutely. And you're, you're exactly right. I think no matter what, if you're in these roles and you progress through things like product management over there, you have no choice but to learn it. I mean, yeah. you, you simply don't have a choice. Do you, is there a time that you remember early in your career when you were in product and not the analyst side of it? Sure. Where... It was the first time where something that was technical clicked in your head and you're like, holy cow, I, I think I know what I'm actually looking at here. Yeah. <laughs> I think I understand what they're talking about when I'm with the engineers or I'm down with the process team or, or whatever it may be. Do you remember an instance where it was like, I think I can learn this stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there was a, a gentleman, Eric Schepler, who was the engineering manager, mm -hmm. who was kind of the me technical mentor for me, right? And he always had my back and, and coached me through stu stuff and, and taught me a lot. There was another engineer uh, that was that was on the core team who was a little bit tougher to to kind of get along with or was less apt to to train you up or, or coach you. Uh, so it, when I really had to deal with that person on a day to day basis, I quickly realized that you know I've got to go in there prepared. Mm -hmm. And I think more so that just forced me to to learn things a little bit more before going in and asking questions. So I don't know if that necessarily answers the question, but I think being in that position so frequently and having to to manage that interaction, right, forced me to to find opportunities for it to click and say, wow, all right, that makes sense. And I know what question he's going to ask me or what he's going to challenge me on. So I have to kind of prepare for that. Uh, and then the day when I went in there and he said, holy cow, you know what you're talking about. That's probably when it clicked. And I'm like, okay, now I can do it. Now let's let's go put it to the test in front of customers, right? That's answering the question. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that makes complete sense then because what you did is you quickly figured out, okay, I, I need to have my my I's dotted, my yeah. T's crossed. I need to make sure my ducks are in a row. And uh, I'm sure there's a bunch of other cliches I can come oh, up sure, with right sure. now <laughs> <laughs> for this. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's I don't want to go into the engineer who has probably spent years on, on thirty plus on, right uh, yeah. right on working in these products and look like a fool. Um, I at least want to give him the respect or her the respect that hey I 
I think I have an idea of what I'm looking at here. Here's what I'm thinking. What is your thoughts and right. opinions or whatever it may be? Yeah, it's this... just a good lesson for you know younger people coming up and getting into product management who don't have a technical background like neither you nor right. I did. So. Yeah, th this person always used to say, do your homework. Right. right. Whenever I would come in and, and make a mistake or, or probably should have had the answer, you know, this, this individual would say, do your homework. And, and that one time, I think he actually did say, wow, you know, you did your homework, which I was like, all right, I got one. Well, win hey, for me. Right? look yeah. at you. Ruffled your hair. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're all grossed up. Exactly. You're all grossed up. Right. Nice. Uh, I'm sure the, the new role is going to be nothing but challenges. Of course, I'm down the hall, so I could observe all this. Yes, and, you uh, can. Yeah. And uh, only get involved when I have to, yeah, so, yeah. which is nice. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It's exciting. Yes, sure. it absolutely is. So let's, we'll stop with the present. We'll go, we'll go back to, to young Kyle Brown now. Growing up in Windsor, New York. That's this, right. This is the tough part, right? Yeah. Now you're getting nervous. A no, bit. no, oh, I'll, okay. I'll be, uh, that's all, that's, that's fun. So, I mean, obviously... I, I know Windsor as well as I as I live there now, but I didn't grow up there. But what was it like for you growing up in little rural Windsor, New York, just outside of Binghamton, New York? What was that for like for you? Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting. So I'll go back further, right? I was born in San Diego. Mm -hmm. So we, my parents are actually from New York, New York City area, New Jersey. Uh, they moved out to San Diego uh, when my father was in the Navy, was there for a couple of years, born, I think I moved here when I was two and a half, right? And they decided to move to Windsor, New York, which I've always given them grief about. Why on earth would you move from you know San Diego to mm -hmm. Windsor, New York, of all places, middle of nowhere? But you know, throughout my my childhood and even through through high school, right, and after college, wanting to actually come back to the area, you know, I realized that it was a it, you know the the area, the location, being in the country, right, having a neighbor that's a half a mile away, right, or or a quarter mile away, you couldn't you know had no distraction or people around you. That's mm -hmm. what I enjoyed. Right. I yeah. liked being outside. I liked swimming. I liked playing golf. I liked doing all these things outdoors. So, you know, I enjoyed growing up in Windsor mm -hmm. and it was definitely something that was, uh, you know, I think an important part of who I am today and, and ultimately, you know, what I what I enjoy in life. So, yeah, it's. Funny, I moved from San Diego to Windsor yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> did the same well, exact Navy thing. thing, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so. the whole the whole Navy bit. And my younger daughter was about the same age you were when yeah. we moved back. I get it, right? Because yeah. obviously, I get it because I still live there twenty two years later. Yeah. I echo that sentiment in that it's it's easy, it's comforting, it's not difficult. You're not really threatened. You just have your space. You yeah. can do whatever you want. Yet you're 15 minutes from whatever you need to get, you know, in the in the Binghamton area. That's so what I, a lot of a I, lot I totally of people a lot yeah. of people don't realize. You know, when you say you're in Windsor or even Sydney, right? Yeah, it's, Sydney's 30 minutes from Binghamton, but mm -hmm. you know, Windsor's 15 minutes, 12 minutes, depend on how fast you go, right? Yeah. And and you could be there, you could be anywhere in in downtown Binghamton, right? In, mm -hmm. in a matter of minutes, but you know, you can drive away and be off a country road and, you know, sit on your back porch and not hear anything but the birds in the summertime, at least, or, yeah. or whatever. And I just find it, it, it peaceful. And I, I am more of a homebody, I guess. I love to travel for work and I love to yeah. travel just for recreationally. But, you know, there's nothing to me more enjoyable than just kicking it back, you know, at home on the weekends and not really doing anything at all. Right? Yeah. It's kind of relaxing. So Windsor allows you to do that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yes, yes, it certainly does. So Windsor High School then, you're there in high school. Yeah. What were you What were you into before you went to college? Sure. So I, I guess, you know, I played basketball in high school. Yeah. I played golf in high school. And that was a, you know, 
a sport that I really enjoyed to play and still still enjoyed to play, yeah. play a little less now with kids. But in high school, I was a, you know, I think I was a pretty good student. You know, I was 92, 93 average then, and, and which was okay, right? Yeah. Probably could have done better. I, I probably could have applied myself a little bit more. I think I have the... Uh, have the intelligence perhaps to be that 97, 98 person, but definitely didn't work as hard as I could have. Um, But yeah, you know, pretty, pretty well balanced (laughs) in terms of academics and sports, you know, loved, loved uh, water sports. My, my parents had a place on the Finger Lakes. We would go up there and and go Mm -hmm. boating and stuff. So that's really how I spent my summer is, is on the water. And then throughout the year, you know, just doing other things, snowboarding and, and things like that. So that's, that's what I did as as a young person in Windsor in high school. And then college, college I went to a a university in in New Jersey called Ryder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's actually in in Lawrenceville, New Jersey, which is about a mile from Princeton. Yeah, went there for business school. Didn't know really what I wanted to do when I went to college. Didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated college. But I figured, you know, business, business administration, and, and international business was probably a good a good place to to start. And then I could branch off, and it. it Proved to be pretty uh, useful, actually, and it was great. I, I loved the campus. It was a, a small campus, all kind of enclosed, about 4,500 students at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, so you got that mix of, you know, there was more people than Windsor, right? A, yeah. 105 people in a class, I think. You mm-hmm. know? So it was bigger than that, um, but it wasn't too large, right? I had looked at Hofstra. I had looked at a, a couple other schools in cities mm-hmm. uh, that had, you know, 20,000, 30,000 people, and it just wasn't for me. And I think that's part of, again, the Windsor piece, right? You, yeah. You know, you're kind of a little bit uh, used to the small town thing. So I think it was a perfect fit and, you know, really enjoyed college. And obviously, I think as, as many people do, met most of my, you know, lifelong friends and, and some of my closest friends now are, are people I met in college. So, yeah. you know, it was great. When you were at Ryder, yeah. um, you said it was right basically next to Princeton. Yeah. Was there a little rivalry? Where... <laughs> not, not with Princeton, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you could argue maybe TCNJ, which was also right down the okay, road, yeah, College yeah, of New yeah. Jersey, right? Yeah. But no, Ryder, it's funny. Ryder's a, a D1 school without a football team. Yeah. So they had a good v- basketball program. Uh, wrestling was pretty big, but a pretty good athletic school. Uh, but we always used to joke that, you know, the real RU, because Rutgers was, you know, 20 minutes away as well. Okay, yeah. Up in New Brunswick. So uh, it was uh, it was a great school. And, and uh, in terms of rivalry, you know, not not much, especially considering the, the two that were closer to us. And then once you get out of college, you started here pretty much right away, didn't you? Yeah, I worked at a, a pizza shop in in college, like throughout the, the break. So I would yeah. come home during winter and summer breaks and, and make some pizzas and deliver pizza. Did that for the first two months getting out of school. Uh, and really, I wasn't sure, you know, if I wanted to end up down in that New Jersey, New York area, probably a change from this small town that I'd always mm-hmm. been in. So I was on the fence. So came back, wasn't sure if I really wanted to get into a career here. Uh, yeah. So I didn't look for the first couple months. And, and then my my mom basically said she was in HR. She said, you know, it's been two and a half months since you graduated. You should probably turn a resume in somewhere. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. So I started to do that, uh, interviewed at a couple places just to get the experience because I really hadn't had any at that point. Mm-hmm. And then ultimately, uh, yeah, interviewed, found, she actually told me about about Amphenol. I'd never heard of the company before, Yeah, only being 25 miles from from where I grew up. And ended up getting an interview after, you know, a week of submitting a resume. And, and I think I was 20, 21 right at that point when, when I got the interview and was hired ultimately. So right out of college. Yeah. So what was your first job? 
Yeah, so it was a, a distribution analyst position. Yeah. yeah, so I got, it's funny, I uh, I got hired as a distribution analyst and, uh, you know, I ended up the last couple of years in distribution roles and still responsible yeah. for distribution. So it's definitely uh, something that I found uh, enjoyable to start. It gave me great experience to learn the business, the customers, right? Uh, how we engage with our distributors, which are a big piece of our business here. Mm -hmm. But a lot of number crunching, which is what w was good for me. That's what I enjoyed. Uh, and then it did give me, the opportunity to to learn, you know, at a reasonable pace, the technical side, right? And I did that for about the first year, which I think was a great a great experience. And and I look back on it now and and say, wow, I, I probably know more or knew more than about a lot of you know our customer base than many people do, you mm -hmm. know, just from being in that data so much all the time, which is is cool. <laughs> when did you first realize, or maybe I'll ask it this way: How long did it take you to realize? wow, I think I actually really like it here. I, I don't mean it to sound that way, but you said yourself, and look, I was the same way kind of before I interviewed here. I really didn't know what they did. But when did you yeah. finally realize, like, I think I really see quite a future here if I you know, apply myself properly and really, you know, put my nose to the grindstone. I'm trying to use every cliche. Yeah, no, way, no. This episode uh, that I possibly can. <laughs> I've checked off a lot. Yeah, you're good. You're yeah. on a roll. Yeah, I'm, I am. Uh, let's see. I, you know, so in 2010, I joined. And for those familiar, right, we had a, a, a second 100 year flood in yeah. 2010 or 2011, right? Yep. So it was probably a couple months into being employed here that that happened, mm -hmm. uh, which was, you know, it, uh, a really unique experience to be a part of, right? For lack of a better term, that's, it was, that's it, a good way. It of was unique, it. right? Yeah. Especially being new to the company. So, you know, I, I was involved through all of that and moving to the hospital and, and cleaning out the old factory and everything the second time around. And I think after that, I, you know, I got into a a pricing slash product job because mm -hmm. we needed more people on the the front end to try and. I don't know, damage controls, right? But reach out to customers and let them know what was happening and, right. and make sure that we were in touch with a lot of the customers. So that gave me the opportunity to, to move from just crunching numbers and analyzing data to actually interfacing with salespeople and right, our customers, right, right. right? And making sure that we were supporting them. And I think that was probably the time. So before I even got into product, which is really what got me, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that was probably the time where I was like, you know what, this is actually pretty interesting. And, and I see, you know, a long-term opportunity here. Subsequently, it was quickly thereafter, actually, I got formally moved into a product manager role type of role. And, and that's, I think, really what interested me the most and, and made me realize that we're in a pretty cool space. We've got awesome product and technology and, and we're doing pretty cool things. So probably within within a year, right, or a little bit more, I was like, I think this is something I want to really commit to long term. And so you didn't go back to pizzas? Didn't go back to pizzas, no. I eat a lot of it. Yeah. It's still my favorite food. But, is it? Uh, yeah, for is sure. Is there a particular pizza you like the best? Uh, yeah, New York style pizza, right? Okay. I mean, just thin, cheese? Thin crust. Uh, I'm a pepperoni guy. Okay. Right? But um, a pepperoni slice, there's there's nothing like it. I mean, if you're in New York City and you just get a, you know, a, a 99 cent cheese slice, there's nothing better than that. But New York style thin crust pepperoni pizza is my favorite. You have a go-to spot when you're in New York City. Ooh, New York City. Not not particularly. Or in the area. Yeah, in yeah. The metropolitan area. Um, I think, t you know, what I would typically do is we would go down for a show or, or an event or something. And we would literally just, as we were getting off the subway, we would pick the first spot. Mm -hmm. And if it was anything more than 99 cents, 
then I would say, I don't know if I want to stop there, right? I wanted the glass windows where you walked yeah. up, there was steam there, and they just gave you one on a paper plate or on, on yeah, a piece of like wax, wax paper, paper, right? Right, right, right. And right. so I guess to answer the question, no, I don't have any particular favorite in New York, but yeah. it's definitely that that feel of just walking into a place, having a guy throw a you know a piece at you on a, on a slice of wax paper and, and give him a buck and, and it tastes delicious, right? Yeah, it does. I and I agree, and I, and I love that stuff too. I I do wonder though if we just like it more because of the environment and the setting. Probably, <laughs> probably. You, you know, well, you've got all these reviews for pizza and everything now, and I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, you've yeah. got all these different factors, and I'm like, if you compare it to a lot of other places, then it's all of them are good. Right? Yes, I mean, that is New true too. I I do agree, and and we're homers, but mm -hmm. I think New York, pizza from New York is just better than yeah, anywhere yeah. else in the country. Chick deep dish and all that other, it's different. Yeah, it's, that's, yeah. that's pie. Exactly. Yeah. That's not pizza. It's yes. not a slice now, of pizza. Now, all of the Midwestern fans, the that's 12 right. of them are going to be very upset with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's it. We apologize, yeah. but uh, that's just our opinion. Now, you're in this new role. I'm sure you're busy. I know you are, and, and you're uh, you know just getting acclimated to now having a, an expanded role in in Amphenol. Uh, when you're not working, though, I know you have a young family. Anything in particular you like to do in your free time, with or without your family? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think I alluded to it. I love golf. Um, yeah. it's been something that I've played less and less. But you know, even if it's now three or four times a year that I can get out, it's probably the most enjoyable thing to me. But still, I mean, I've got, you know, I like to just enjoy some time around the pool and, and just hang out. I would say yard work is my favorite thing to do on the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of people, why you know, they, they like it's, oh, why do I like it? Yeah. Oh, it's just relaxing. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, a sense of accomplishment when you, when you get finished and you look out and it's just perfectly manicured you know, okay. yard and everything, something weird, but I enjoy it. It's, uh, it's definitely my my release perhaps on the weekend, your, right? So your moment of Zen yeah, exactly. while you're out there. And my wife, it's, it's always an argument because, well, not always an argument, but you know, I'll say, well, I've got to go out and mow the yard when secretly it's my favorite thing to do. So I use it both ways, <laughs> right? You know, I've got to go do this for two and a half hours, but really it's, it's what I've been looking forward to for a couple of days. So I'm, I'm kind of with you on this, yeah. right? Um, I have about an acre and when I mow, I love to do all the riding you know the the riding tractor yeah and i'll have my son push all the the edging and all that stuff yeah. but everyone's always like oh i'll do the riding more i'm like no 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 that's no. me <laughs> i got it this is daddy's job yeah. you know because i'm with you it's the same yep. thing it's that hour and a half or so mm -hmm. of just i put my headphones on yep. i just totally zone out no one's gonna bug me and when i'm done in an hour and a half i can look at it and go that looks pretty freaking that looks good. Pretty good. I yeah, didn't pay anyone good. for it, right? Yeah. I did the weed whacking. I did everything, yep. right? I'm gonna go out in the back deck now and have a a cool beverage Ex and enjoy myself. Exactly on a nice sunny summer day. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're turning me around on this, Kyle. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate I'm that. I'm glad I'm helping. So now, last last question here. I put you on a desert island, and I say you can bring with you. You're by yourself, but you could bring with you one album, one book, and one movie. Let's start with an album. What album would you bring with you? Uh, let's see. Uh, favorite artist is Tom Petty. Okay. So I'd, I'd probably have to cop out and say Greatest Hits because there are a couple albums that I, I do enjoy, but usually as they all do, Greatest Hits have a, a good mix of all of them. So I would say Tom Petty, Greatest Hits. Okay. How about a book? The book... By the way, good choice. Yeah. Very good choice. Oh, thank you. Yes. Only person I've seen multiple times in concert, too. Oh, okay. Which um, it's good. But um, let's see. A book... 
I think it'd probably be golf related. That's where I do most of my reading these days, not specifically to golf, but let's see. My favorite book I would say is, is a Tiger Woods book, How I Play Golf. Mm-hmm. And if I were on an island, I'd probably figure out a way to, to build a golf club and find like a, <laughs> you know, some sort of nut that I could use as a ball and just teach myself how to play better golf and, and read that book. So it'd probably be that book. What was that book like? I've never read it, but what's that book like? It's it's an instructional book, right? Yeah. It goes through the course of his career, and he gives you insights on how he not only physically practices, prepares some of the drills, instructions, but his mental, right, which yeah. is a big piece of okay. how he's successful. That's the part that always fascinated me. Right. So he's yeah. got this. I mean, he's got this ability to control his his temper, his mindset on the golf course, and just focus himself, right? So I've always he's obviously I've admired him, and he's been a my favorite athlete of all time, probably. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd probably bring that book because I enjoy reading it, but I think there's always an opportunity to continue to to pick up on some stuff that, you know, you could be doing better. And if you're on an island, you've got all the time in the world to practice your swing, and, and even if it's kind of makeshift, yeah, is, I'll be the best bunker player ever coming off an island. So. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, as long as you can, you know, find a nice, you know, 52 degree wedge or something like that, a little lob wedge. Um, No, great choice. And I I like the Desert Island Golf. That's a a good call. I hadn't thought of that yet. Last one, movie. Movie. Let's see. I'd probably go, yeah, I mean, my favorite movie, I'm a Quentin Tarantino fan. Yeah. Big big fan. So Pulp Fiction's probably my favorite movie. Yeah. I think I'd pick Pulp Fiction for a number of reasons, but... You know, I feel like if I were on a desert island, I wouldn't want something that's either too uplifting or or too, you know, sad or dramatic, right? And I think right. that kind of balances those two things. There's no really good story in it, and there's no really bad story, perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Plus, it's just cool. I mean, there's a lot of great scenes, and, and the convergence of characters and people from different worlds, I think, is a, a great part of it. So, yes, it's just my favorite. That That may... Take the lead now oh, in yeah? this category over the past year or so that we've been doing this question. Good. You about, probably about three or four people have picked that so far. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All so right. I, I may pick it too if, if, if I had to be uh, you know, put on the spot there. But yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, it's the only movie I own. Actually, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Yeah. recent Tarantino movie. Yeah. I've purchased those two on you know, streaming Prime Video or something, but I think yeah. they're the only two that I have. Like digitally, not on DVD. Yeah. It's weird. I have a few more than that. Yeah. <laughs> I've spent way too much money on, on yeah. buying digital copies of movies. But anyway, Kyle, listen, thank you very much for doing this. It was uh, long overdue, um, but I appreciate you taking the time and my best of luck to you in your new role. Thank you, and thanks so much for having me, Chris. Chris.